Hello everybody and welcome to episode 134 of Operation Retroshock. I am one of your hosts, Alan Price, and joining me in this journey into a galaxy far, far away is... Hello there. Obi-Wan? Yes. What are you doing here? Uh, I don't know what is wrong with your voice. I don't know. Oh, I see, yes. Uh, no, it's not Obi-Wan, it's Chris Ventier. Um The question master um, today to do with our Star Wars tag as we... Um, I ask Alan some questions and I answer them after Alan, so... Well, you can answer them first too if you want. Like. No, I'd just like to ask you them first. You're too polite, Chris. I know, I know, I know. And it also it gives me time to think about my answer. <laughs> oh, um, that's what it's about, is it? No. Uh, but yeah, so obviously, like we said, to start every show, if you want to get in touch with us, you can do. There's ways and means to do it. You can get in touch with us on Facebook. Just search Operation Retroshock. Uh, you can send us a message, um, even do visitor posts, and you can write something there. If you want to see a topic covered, if you have one of these tag things, there's like WWE ones, there's Marvel ones, there's one for pretty much every, everything. Um, on Twitter, we're RetroshockPod. You can send us a DM. Our DMs are open. Obviously, means you could send us a longer message in. than um, tweeting us. And yeah, if you're listening to us on iTunes, Stitcher, um, any of those good formats, you can also leave us a review. We'd very much appreciate it. And uh, yeah, you can let us know um, what one of your favourite episodes would be. It would be a nice Christmas gift with Christmas fast approaching as we do this. Indeed, we're hurtling along in a very uh, comfortable space sleigh towards Christmas. Okay, well, um, Alan, we're just going to kick this straight off the bat. Um, what is your favourite Star Wars movie? And why? And why? Um, this is probably no great surprise to anybody that has listened to either previous Retroshock episodes um, or just knows me in general, and that is going to be The Empire Strikes Back which is probably to most fans the obvious answer um, for at least a lot of folks. Not all folks, but most folks. Um, I think it's just, for me, it's the one I gravitate to the most. I think the combination of the different stories, the what those stories actually are, uh, the little events, the little kind of dives into the force, the twists and turns on Bespin, all those little things, the opening, uh, you know, on Hoth, mm-hmm. just for me, add up to a movie that I could probably watch every day and not be bored. Okay. What about your good self? Mine is Return of the Jedi. I thought as much. Um, the reason why is because it's one of my earliest memories is my father taking me to the cinema to watch it and me laughing at the Ewok on the speeder bike spinning round. I remember as a kid, always, I would always watch the Jab of the Hut part and I would maybe stop it a little bit after that. I just love... That, for me, is one of my favourite scenes is like Jabba's palace... Um, it's one of my favourite levels in Star Wars Battlefront as well um, it's just so well done even like the there's a certain part wherever you actually have the thought out part of whenever Han comes up off oh, the, the wall yeah so you have that there which is cool um, yeah uh, I was lucky enough then whenever they were re-released to watch all three of them in the cinema again you know the special editions fair enough you would have loved to see the originals back in there but alas what can you do 
Um, but to see Return of the Jedi in the cinema and to see, you know, relive that again was good. So it, it'd be something I would love to do again. Is we've seen the movies countless times, but to have that experience in the cinema would be oh no, hundred percent would be fantastic to I'd, do. I'd absolutely love the opportunity to go and see Empire Strikes Back in the cinema again. Just seeing it on the big screen is well, with most movies, the best way to do it. Yes. Okay. Uh, what is the coolest planet in Star Wars? This oh, is not a... Dun, 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 dun. I made the joke. Sorry, everybody. Chris is not pleased. I was going to say, this is not a temperature-based one, and you went there anyway. <laughs> I knew you where you were going. I'm going to give you the cold shoulder from my uh, Um, not, not even joking. Uh, Hoth, for me, is actually... For, you know, up there for me is one of the coolest planets in Star Wars. Um, some people might turn and say, "Well, Alan, it is just basically snow. There's not much really to it." Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, you know, it's just a big white place for a battle that eventually happens, and it's maybe your connection to the battle that you enjoy a wee bit more, which we'll talk about later on when we talk about battles and scenes and stuff like that. Um, but I think it's just almost as well with. Hoth, it is that maybe that simplicity mm-hmm. that it's you know again you could almost compare it to uh create in the last jedi it's like this underground bunker base yeah that you know is in harsh conditions and you know they're fighting the elements all of their ships aren't working that sort of thing yes the ships don't pertain to the planet and stuff but i think as a whole the story that happens on Hoth with the planet itself using those elements really, really kind of put it up there in terms of a planet. Now, I know we're trying to keep this to like one answers. This isn't going to happen with me. I can't tell them. <laughs> um, but another planet that I think maybe doesn't get as much chat about it, I think it's actually Yavin 4. Okay. Sorry, because I think, what was it? Was it a South American country they used for like the back shots or something? Was it Colombia or something like that? It was some South American country or whatever. But like, you know, the tropical trees and, you know, those kind of almost like Mayan-esque kind of pyramids that were used as the rebel base. Mm -hmm. It's a very stunning visual having those kind of two things together. And obviously it's technically not a planet. It's a moon. Yeah. Because Yavin 4, it's a moon off uh, Yavin Major. Um, <laughs> twirl moustache and information. <laughs> um, so that's in there for me. But I think I'm going to go for another one that maybe is not thought about. And this is actually going into the prequels here. And it's not one that's seen for a very long amount of time. Um, it's seen in Revenge of the Sith, and that is Felicia. Okay. Uh, which is the one where you'll remember during Order 66, um, it's like the one with the really kind of colourful, huge plants, and you see the particular Jedi getting shot yes, by yes. the plant uh-huh, by the yeah. troopers. And I think also that is one of the planets in the original Force Unleashed that you go yeah, on. Yeah, I think you're right. So, And I think there was maybe something in the <clears throat> Clone Wars there as well. Yeah, so that's part of my connection of where I enjoy mm-hmm. that particular planet as well. And just, I thought, 
something a wee bit different. Just with that, I would probably say that Naboo would be one of my favourites because cool. of yeah. the, like you say, because of how vibrant it is and obviously there's no sand there. It's coarse, it gets everywhere and nobody wants that. Um, <laughs> but just like the the scenery of that is, is quite beautiful um, and I, I've always enjoyed that. Um, I suppose I would be amiss if I didn't say that one of my favourite places then would probably be Andor because yeah. of the fact that, that that's from my favourite movie. I was going to say Tatooine, but again, like with you in the snow, it's polar opposite. It's not cold, it's roasting, and there's not <laughs> it's snow. It's roasting. And it's sun. <laughs> it's sand everywhere, and it's... It's, 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 it's not nice in the unmentionables. It's, it's not. <laughs> but, um, yeah. No, the reason why I threw, like, Felicia in there is because, you know, you could sit here and you could say all the obvious ones. So yeah. I think that's part of the reason why... And not have a sad Coruscant either. Not which, a sad Coruscant, yeah. even though it would probably be up there on a lot of people's lists, I would say. You know, I left Endor off because I knew there's probably a good chance you'd bring it up because you like Jedi mm-hmm. and stuff. Uh, and there's no point hearing two people say the same thing over and over again too much, even though, kind of, we probably do say the same thing over and over probably. again too much. Sorry about that, folks. So, Alan, are you a Jedi or a Sith? Ooh, what am I? What do, what do you think I am? God. What do you think I would pick? I th- this, this is this is going to be interesting now to see where Chris's head's at in regards to me and the Star Wars universe. I think that you would probably want to be a Jedi, but I think there would be certain domino effects that would happen that would push you towards the dark. I could see, see you leaning more towards the dark side than I can the light. Oh, you're not far off. Actually, your 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 logic, you're heading in the right direction. Actually, so you are because what I have down here is Chris check number three there for me. Jedi with edge. So yes, on this day, <laughs> yeah. So almost a wee bit. You could almost describe it, Mace Windu, mm-hmm. in that regard, uh, very much from Revenge of the Sith, and it's very much described in books from that time period that he was a Jedi that was known to kind of edge towards things that people maybe wouldn't be, you know, thinking as the total Jedi way. Um, You know, it's described in, I think, at least the novel of Revenge of the Sith that part of the reason that he overpowers Palpatine in that scene is because he taps in to Palpatine's dark side and turns it back around toward him. Right, okay. Sort of thing. So he's not using the dark side as such, but he's bouncing it back, mm-hmm. almost, sort of thing. So Plus the fact that you've got a lightsaber that is almost a little bit blue, a little bit red, in, mm-hmm. in between there. Perfect. So, yeah, so you have it like that. Yeah, I like that. But I also do, like, the reason that I kind of... I did say the with an edge ever so slightly, of course, you know, just to give yourself that little bit of freedom. You know what I mean. <laughs> you know, needs must. But master, must. I have an edge. You know, if you have to kind of, you know, take out a few sand people and stuff like that, you know, needs must. Uh, <laughs> Not the woman <clears throat> and the children. No, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be doing the children now here. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't Slower be them like I animals. No, I, I hate them. <laughs> but um, I think what kind of made me decide, and it's probably, again, something I'll bring up as we get further through the questions, is um, one of the performances I enjoy a lot in Star Wars is that of Liam Neeson as Mm Qui-Gon. 
and that's more what pulls me towards what I'd like to see as myself as a Jedi. Come almost. on, Balamina boy. You up the boys. What about yourself? It's a, I could, as corny as it sounds, I could see myself being a Jedi. I could see myself do more good than I can do, do more bad. I think I would do the bad and then be like Anakin and go like what have I done <laughs> you know like and do that kind of thing and be like uh, oops you know like and shouldn't have done that or I could see me doing like with Anakin turning to the dark side and then if I'd stayed on the light side then I could have had what I wanted all along and talked to people who have since passed so if yeah. he'd said there he would have been able to talk to Padme and mm-hmm. you know like that kind of thing whereas obviously he didn't but not that there's no way I identify with a Jedi in any way, shape, or form, but I just. It's always good to be the bad guy, but at the same time, you're thinking, you know, like, uh, people want to do right in the world, and that's kind of why I would probably mm-hmm. do. Like, don't get me wrong, there'll be moments where I would lose my temper, and, you know, like, <laughs> Jawas better watch out, you know, but it's a kind For of. Jawas. You know, it's kind of kind of curbing that, and then just going, right, okay, well, I need to kind of just settle down here and you know make sure that I am on the council and I am granted the rank of master you know so who is your favourite character in Star Wars Alan? Yeah so remember I said I was struggling of picking one people you know one, 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 piece, ans- one, one pe- people one people one vision all that sort of stuff uh, Queen. he is in uh, Avengers he is not in Star Wars <laughs> vision uh, picking one answer okay uh, here does is does it make it easier then if you were to pick a Jedi and pick a normal person, or pick like somebody who has a lightsaber and somebody who doesn't have a lightsaber. Does that make it easier? Um, no, <laughs> not really. Um, I see, this is the whole cast. I'm just going to get fed up into the room. There's, there's, there's like four. There's four. But it's spread no, out. No, it it's says spread out. Who is your favorite <laughs> character? There's not an S there. I know. I know. Right. Okay. I'll go with a favorite in the same honorable mentions. Okay. Right. Okay. Fine. Please. Okay. Okay. Favorite's Han. Okay. So it is. Um, I th- it's the character of Han has grown on me more over the years it's an odd thing with Star Wars when I was growing up with it as a kid and watching it I don't think at least I don't have memory of gravitating too much to a particular character I think I just enjoyed Star mm-hmm. Wars and I was like, this is just all of it Okay, is cool I like it very much um, whereas once I started to get uh, slightly older and a bit more I'm not going to say you're going to probably say otherwise a bit more sensible and able to analyse and enjoy it when did it start? I know exactly <laughs> um, you know you pick up on you know the little character moments and the little phrases and the little ticks so to say you know the little motions on their face um, that a character has those you know quick witted lines um, you know in the Death Star and a New Hope, the whole back and forth one they're trying to break Leia out of the cell, you know, you know, we're all okay here, you know, how are you, you know, mm-hmm. that stuff. So for me, probably at the top is Han. Um but honourable mentions go to Obi Wan, uh specifically Ewan McGregor. That's not dissing Alec Guinness. Mm-hmm. Um but for me, Ewan McGregor's Obi Wan is the strongest thing that comes out of the prequels for me. Okay. You know, just see how much mm-hmm. people want to see him again as Obi-Wan. Again, going back to the last question about would you be a Jedi or, you know, 
Seth, Qui Gon Jinn mm-hmm. gets an honorable mention. Um, you know, gotta do it for the boys. Uh, but then this is where we go away from the movies, and that is Ahsoka Tano. And it's okay. not something I would think, you know, at this point, you know, many years on from her original debut and watching Clone Wars way back when, mm-hmm. that I would count her as one of my top and favourite characters in Star Wars. Um, well, mine would... Mine has went from one thing... Mine has went from Han to Lando. And as I currently would sit here now, mine would be Obi-Wan. For two main factors, which would be Ewan McGregor, like you said, but also James Arnold Taylor's voice acting as as him in Clone Wars and obviously in Battlefront 2 as well, and the Revenge of the Sith video game as well. Um, he actually was the one who did the, you know, like, yeah. I have the high ground and all that. But listening to his podcast as well has given me a new respect for what he does. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that, but... Like you say, Ewan McGregor is by far, if anything good came out of the prequels, was Darth Maul and probably Ewan McGregor, especially in episode three. Mm-hmm. Um, he is just somebody that, like Robert Downey Jr., was born to play that role, you know, like, and he just does it well. You know, like, it, it does well in all three of them, but obviously episode three with the whole thing to do with him and then going into exile and that kind of thing was just... And then just whenever he hands Luke over and you're like, and then reading the comics about him watching over Luke and not wanting to show his lightsaber, um, you know, like and that kind of thing. But for me, he would be, he would be one there, um, which would probably be one that I would, um, Absolutely. I would love to see the, you know, like a movie for. Or now, even I, a series or whatever. Yeah, now there's thing. going to be a question later on. Uh, number 17 I'm going to change okay uh, yeah. I've just thought of a different question that's okay um, so I'm going to change that no so um, before you shift up gears just ever so slightly the reason why I'm not going to say Obi-Wan was never in the discussion mm-hmm. for my favourite characters but something I watched yesterday again for the first time in a wee while um, made me just again just realise how good Ewan McGregor was, especially as you say, in that mm-hmm. you know third uh, prequel movie, Revenge of the Sith, was you've probably seen it. I think it was released was it like March twenty seventeen. It was a video on YouTube, and it was someone took the clips from the prequels mm-hmm. and merged them in with Alec Guinness's performance when he's explaining to Luke what happened to his father. All right. And talking about the dark times and the Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's sitting there and Luke goes, you know, you know what happened to my father? And you get that shot of Alec Guinness's face. Mm-hmm. And then it just flicks to him on Mustafar and yeah. Anakin lying there burning mm-hmm. and stuff. And it's the music and stuff that... Per- Whatever, you know, the editing and putting the musical arrangement together that the person did is superb. You know, you would not think that Alec Guinness's performance would be able to be broken down and used so well and be seen as actually looking like he is having these flashback yeah. moments yeah. to episode three and... 
you know, saying like, you know, he was a great pilot, he was a cunning warrior, and he was a good friend. He was a good friend. You know, when you see like, you know, when he says a good friend, that's them in the lift and clone, uh, sorry, mm. Attack of the Clones. But then whenever you look at episode three and well, you were my brother, Anakin, mm-hmm. you know, like, so it's not a case that he said, he's a good friend, he wasn't, he wasn't my brother, he was and a like, you know, friend. you know, this is your father's lightsaber, he wanted you to have it, and at that time they're showing the clip of him picking just it picking up it out of the yeah. soil of Mustafar and stuff. Yeah. It all comes together and it just shows you how deep and diverse that character is and what plans George had for the character mm-hmm. that again just as we've been saying gives you that desire for more okay um, with you talking about music I know music is your bag mm. okay now so what is your favourite musical theme <laughs> and I know this is going to be one that probably has um, like um, 10 or 11 of them um, let me see one two three four that's not okay. too bad. I, I had to stop myself, so I did. Um but I'm not I'm not gonna dwell on these too much. <laughs> Number one for me is Jewel of the Fates. Okay. Um some people may go oh, Le Gasp. Um <gasps> There you go. Perfect. Thank you very much for that reaction. Um I don't know, it's just a song. It's maybe because partly and you know, people may laugh, but Phantom Menace was the first Star Wars movie I saw in cinemas oh wow I'd seen the original trilogy at home and mm-hmm. stuff like that but it ITV. was the first you know it was the first Star Wars movie I got to see in a cinema mm-hmm. so you know again nostalgia you know you saw this big dramatic fight and this was the music playing over it and it's probably one of the biggest tracks connected with the prequel trilogy as well uh, there's another one probably as well or another couple at least that are in there but it's one that I would find, like, again, I've talked about, you know, my trips to WrestleMania and stuff like that. That time when I went to California with Hill and, you know, we went to Disney and you were seeing Star Wars characters floating about. And we'd be walking about and, you know, you know humming or singing, mm-hmm. you know, da 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 you know, and stuff like that. And quotes and all these sort of things. And I'll probably come back to that when we talk about other characters as well. Um, but Jewel of the Fates is right up there for me um, Asteroid Field is another one from Empire Okay, I think that's part of the whole Empire thing mm-hmm. playing in there um, Across the Stars from episode 2 yeah from episode okay. 2 um, probably the best thing or one of the best things to come out of episode 2 I would two. probably agree with you there yes um, uh, yep. but then here's one that I'm not going to say comes out of left field um, but it's relatively new, uh, and that is uh, let me get this without you know twisting my tongue around here. Reminiscence therapy from the solo soundtrack. Okay. Uh, which is basically Star Wars: A Greatest Hits. Okay. Because it is a track that is about what's it like four or five minutes long, but it has all just little moments so from the most hard. iconic. So it's very much like at the end of Force Awakens with the Jedi steps in and it has other music yeah. after it. Yeah, it's basically like this big medley mashup okay. of like the most iconic tracks in Star Wars. So you've got the asteroid field in there, you've got like the rebel fanfare, you've got the Star Wars theme, you've got the you know, TIE Fighter chase. All those tracks in there smooshed together and 
it's amazing and it's a track that yes it's Williams work mm-hmm. you know the original stuff is Williams work but it's I can't remember the name of the composer is it Roger Pyle or something Pyle something it's Pyle I think is the surname that makes me think he could be a very good possibility to take over the reins when okay. Williams finally calls it a day here uh, after uh, episode uh, nine that he has it shows that he has an understanding yeah of the Williams music uh, that he was able to knit them together so well you know and not be, have it be jarring mm-hmm. really what about you oh I'm really surprised you didn't say the Imperial March as well so um, I thought that was maybe a wee bit too obvious yeah it's hard I mean I love with the newer ones especially with episode 3 is my favourite movie soundtrack of all time wow okay so um, one of my favourite ones in that is Anakin's Dark Deeds um, whenever he's turning to the dark side um, that um, Anakin's Dream and um, Battle of the Heroes are just three that I can never ever tire of listening to um, obviously episode one Phantom Menace episode two Across the Stars like you said uh, and Ray's theme is definitely up there but if I had to pick one I would probably go for I'd probably go for Anakin's Dark Deeds okay. that is just brilliant um, and I do love the um, one that I whenever I listen to it just the hairs of my arms pick up which is Hope which yeah. from Rogue One whenever Darth Vader Ignites his lightsaber and then <laughs> all hope's gone. Um, that is just, you know, John Williams probably would have went, that's good. Yeah. You know, because that's just quality. That yeah. gives you everything that you need. And whenever you just see Darth Vader whirling a lightsaber yeah. like you've never seen before. Yeah. And just seeing all these guys just getting cut to ribbons yeah. and just like, wow. No, absolutely. Because I think probably one of the things that Rogue One at least gets criticised for is probably its soundtrack overall you know in terms of strength but I think part of that comes down to number one uh, the amount of time Gio Chino had mm-hmm. to do that soundtrack was not very long at all um, but I think you can take at least that one track out of it yeah, and be like well done fella you yeah. know that's fantastic you know you were able to take because it almost kind of it isn't, you know, exactly like Jewel of the Fates, but you've got that kind of choiry noise yes, to it, you know, that yeah. high-pitched take on, yeah. you know, the Imperial March, because that's what the notes are, you know, that, oh, yeah. oh, you know, high-pitched yeah. choir, I, that sounded terrible, like, wow. I have to say there. But <laughs> Hello, George. They do the choir in the notes of the Imperial March, and I can completely get that that, uh, that is your bag. Uh, what... Is the coolest battle in Star Wars? See, no. Again, this is not to do with Hoth, but kind of could be. No, no. Um, considering I said Hoth earlier, mm-hmm. this will then be the surprise, and that is Endor for okay. me. This is people are probably going, but Empire is your favorite, so how's Hoth not your favorite sort of thing? I think it all has to come with the whole picture, because the Battle of Endor isn't just what happens on Endor; it's what's up in space at yeah. the same time. That's the Battle of Endor, the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So for me, I think the biggest thing that puts the Battle of Endor above and beyond for me, yes, it's interspliced with Luke, with the Emperor and stuff like that. You know, that can kind of almost be considered its own thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
one of my favourite parts of the battle is the Falcon going into the Death Star. Yeah. With Lando. You see, all. for me, that one of my favourite parts is whenever it comes out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Whenever you just see the, and then, Yahoo! And then, and nine, nine numbers. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, Endor is, I think, probably the best um, battle in Star Wars. And, there has been plenty, you know. Mm-hmm. It's, you can flip a coin for yeah, oh, Hoth and others. Yeah. Um, but again, also in there, I kind of have to have that, you know, Julon Naboo. The mm-hmm. you can consider it a battle of Maul and Qui Gon, and Obi Wan yeah. in there as well. It's kind of my honourable mention, but Endor has to be up the top for me. Uh, you trying to think of something different? No, it's <laughs> a, it's a difficult one and. It's a difficult one, and I'm probably going to say, I'm probably going to say one of my favorite. Well, it's not really a battle. Was it a well, conflict? One, one, or? No, I would have said that one of my favorite, one of my favorite newer battles mm-hmm. would be whenever they go to Maz's castle. Okay, and then you know, like you have Kylo then with Rey, and then you have Poe Dameron coming with the, and then you know, like Han with the gun and and. Yeah, yeah. Chewie's blaster and that kind of thing. I really love that as a newer battle. Um, but I would say that if I had to pick one, it would probably be Obi Wan and probably be Obi Wan and Anakin from the end of Revenge of the Sith because you knew you knew what happens to both of them. But whenever you saw that for the first time, you're like, you don't know how Obi Wan goes to Tatooine, and you don't know how that happens. How what how Anakin becomes Darth Vader? You don't yeah. know how that happens. So that for me is a big part, and I would say that the first kind of um, encounter with the Tie Fighter, mm-hmm. whenever they've um, whenever Aldrons blew up and all, and like you know we're not out of this yep kid, and then they're both you know like and just that music, mm-hmm. and then a little nod to that in the Last Jedi. I remember just sitting there in the cinema, with my arms crossed, and. Doo-doo. And then just doing like uh-huh. this air, and it just the like I just love that, you know. So that for me would be that. So I don't know if there's any point asking this question because <laughs> there's one answer, and if it isn't that answer, you're wrong. Uh, what is your favorite ship? Um, I think it's a Falcon that uh, has Millennium in the title as well. Right. Okay. So it's an Abu Star Cruiser then. It's a ship that's shaped like a burger. Like a burger. Oh no, I'm lost. It doesn't no. Doesn't ring a bell. No, it doesn't. No, no. it's temperamental. Has a droid's AI consciousness in it. Does it not look like much? But has it where it counts? It has it where it counts. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Okay, I think I'm getting it. Um, but we'll move on to the next question. No, one wee second though. One <laughs> wee second. You're not getting away that easy. Um, Falcon's an obvious answer. Yeah. So it is. I think I could understand folks going and saying like excellent. Because it's like probably the next most iconic for most folks mm. ship in Star Wars, um, but I think most folks when you think Star Wars, it's Falcon. Yeah, you know, that's why when it's Star either Wars, that Star Wars, or, or Star Destroyer. Yeah, because we're like I can bring my everyone here. That's actually a fair point, Star Destroyer, because you know Star Wars Galaxy's Edge that's going to be opening at Disneyland. Mm-hmm. What's one of the rides? The Falcon. It's not next week. And what's one of the rides? You're going to be going on a First Order Star Destroyer. You know, they're yeah. two of the key things and there's ship involved. So 
completely they're up there um but i'm gonna say two that are not the obvious choice okay then uh one for me is you kind of joked the nubu starfighter okay because just the visuals of that are stunning Mm. and that's just the nubu aesthetic yeah so it is of its ships um but also then one that's um Maybe not as loved in Star Wars, but I think, again, it's one of those ones that I've kind of grew to appreciate the look of over time. It's actually the B-Wing. Okay. So it's just the way you kind of have, like, the cockpit and then the kind of smaller wings with the guns that can pop out. And then... Because it's something I didn't realise growing up and watching the movies about the whole cockpit thing. But Mm -hmm. you saw it more in the episode about the B-Wing in Rebels. Yeah. Was that... The cockpit is the steady part. You actually control, yes, where the ship goes, but you're, you know, what is it? You're it's almost like a crane operative kind of thing. Yeah, you control the rest of the ship yeah. where it rotates sort of thing. So your center is your cockpit and the rest of it moves around you. It's just something a wee bit different, yeah. I think. Um, well, like you said, Millennium Falcon, X-Wing... Um, if I wasn't to pick those ones, I'd probably go for... I'd probably either go for an Endor speeder bike or a snow speeder. It's fair shape. Because fair shape. snow speeder, again, because of the Battle of Hoth and then, you know, like, the amount of video games that you have to go round. Yeah, the, absolutely, yeah. You know, like, and then getting the pilot <laughs> that and the likes of Battlefront as well and try to go round that leg without crashing into it. That was <laughs> never fun. So I would say that those would probably be mine. Um... So, what do you think of the prequels, then? Well, this is going to be maybe an interesting answer, because if you go back and maybe listen to our dedicated Star Wars episode from the very early days... Right, well, here. We'll not use that one, then. What do you think of the current crop of Star Wars movies uh, let me have my word no, if, my word. if, you, my word. if you say you've only we've only talked about that no 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 I'm trying to do a comparison here Chris oh, right, okay. I'm trying to do a comparison what I'm trying to say is if you go back and listen to that older episode I think that was one of our very early episodes I think it was like in the first 10 15 episodes or something like that potentially we did that yeah. with Pixel Dan and all um I think Fair to say, back then, everybody, I think, on that sh- show was more on the negative side of things. Mm-hmm. Moments we enjoyed, but more on the negative side of things. I think over the years, especially from then, which would have been 2010, 2011, so we're talking you know, eight, seven years ago now, I think my opinions towards the prequels have mellowed in terms of I'm not like, that's poop, that's poop, that's poop, you know, sort of thing. There is good stuff in there. Yeah. There's some very good stuff in there. Um, like, really good stuff. Um, but, you know, to be honest, I would still struggle to sit down and watch Attack of the Clones if you yeah. put it in front of me. Yeah. But if you were to put episode one or episode three in front of me, I would not turn around to you going, oh, do we have to? Mm-hmm. Sort of thing, you know. If you did that with episode two... I'd probably say that, yeah. but not one or three, because there are some very good moments. Yes, episode one is looked upon as like, uh, Jar Jar, uh, child actor, blah, 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 blah. Episode three is definitely by far the strongest of the prequels. That's a given. 
yes, again, it has its moments where you're like, oh, George, you're right in here, you know, between yeah. Padme and Anakin a wee bit, a wee bit, ooh, this is cringy. Um, we especially saw that in Attack of the Clones. Mm-hmm. It was exactly how I imagined you in my dreams. And be like, whoa, that's not creepy at all. Yeah, but the prequels, as time has gone on, have become more crucial mm-hmm. to the overall story of Star Wars, not just because of Anakin and Vader and stuff like that, but because it's been expanded upon in TV series and yeah. books, uh, is hinted back upon in the latest trilogy of movies as well. You know, something, the first thing that pops into my head is in Force Awakens where he says, you know, perhaps, you know, I'd be better off with a clone army. You mm-hmm. know, there's just little snippets that are there. Um, but yeah, there's me rambling again. They are what they are, and they will always be a part of the Star Wars universe. Episode 3, for me, is probably... It's in my top 5, anyway. So it is. It Again, like, with a favourite soundtrack. And I, I remember... Obviously, this is a big part of the Star Wars universe, is whenever you go and see a movie. And at that time, this was going to be the last movie that we'd ever seen. And I remember whenever Obi-Wan had given Luke to Baru and Lars... And they had stand stood at, at the and had uh, the two sons, and I remember tearing up, thinking, "I'm never going to see a Star Wars movie in the cinema again." And if that movie didn't mean anything to me, or the first the movies that came before that didn't mean anything to me, I wouldn't have cared. about ah, well, you know, that's just what it is. Yeah. It is what it is. You know, but the movies aren't without their flaws. But you know, with Episode One. You know, like you remember watching the pod race, and now you watch the pod race and go, "Is it just me, or does it seem longer than it did whenever I first watched it?" Is. it? <laughs> yeah, because it is. But then you have like the fight. You know, like you have the, that there, but you have important characters who then blossom over the next. You know, and people say about Hayden Christensen is winning acting, and it's like, you know, to a degree in episode two, especially. Like with Harrison Ford said, you know, you can write this stuff, but you can't make, you can't get us to say it, kind of thing, yeah. you know. And that was certainly to a point with Hayden Christensen. But like we said earlier, is that like Ewan McGregor on the total flip side and having the CGI Yoda was a massive, you know, because I remember watching one of the documentaries um, to do with episode two and it said, like, you know, whenever Dooku is going, and there's another important character. Was going to fight Yoda and was like, you know, we have to make this work, otherwise it looks like Dookie is fighting Kermit. Yeah. And that's what you don't want. And then you see him looking at these things and go like you need to make you know, he's you need to make this move around here, you need to move his ear up and down and that kind of thing. And it's just they are they are what they are, but like I totally agree with you that episode two would probably be for me bottom of the barrel. Yeah. If I was to say, Right, Alan, we're gonna watch the Star Wars movie, oh we're watching Chris, Attack of the Clones You'd be like, get and, out of the house. <laughs> and you'd be like, no. Um, but, you know, like 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 we say, it's a part of the Star Wars universe. And, you know, like, uh, again, it has a big battle in Geonosis and all that kind of stuff. Let me just give you one thing. Like, what I'm saying is the way there's good stuff in there. Even in Attack of the Clones, there's little moments that are, like, as a diehard Star Wars fan, you're like, see that snippet of a moment? Yeah. That is cool. Like, for example... Camino, mm-hmm. Django and Obi Wan fighting in the rain, and Booba. Yep. You know that scene. Yeah, is really cool. Yeah, you know you're seeing one of the best Jedi against 
this really impressive bounty hunter that you know they have taken as their DNA sample for this entire army. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty cool, especially in the lore of Star Wars. So there are these little nuggets in there, but it's just a case of that particular nugget is on the fewer side. Yeah, in Attack of the Clones, you but don't they're need, still there. You don't need this nugget with all this politics stuff around mm. it. That's what you don't need. But um, yeah, I think the key point is, as you just said, a lot of fans maybe had, I'm not going to say anger, but resentment almost towards the prequels because you thought, this is it. Mm-hmm. This is my Star Wars. This is the end. I'm not going to get any more. So for some, it felt like a bit of sour taste in their mouth. Yeah. Whereas time has passed, we now see that <clears throat> Star Wars is not ending anytime soon. Yeah. We're going to have tons of different stories coming across. This, I still find it crazy that this time next year, this new trilogy will be ending. Mm-hmm. And goodness knows what will come after. But we've got the TV stuff coming, all this sort of stuff. You know, the stories we're going to get are going to be endless. So you don't have to be as critical or as worried too much. Take the good parts of those stories that have, you know, made the stories that come later better. Mm -hmm. And just enjoy it. Uh, Lightsaber or blaster? Lightsaber. Uh, I I think that's probably, for most folks, an obvious answer. Uh, What colour would it be then? Ooh, see, this is this is interesting. I know it's down there, but there's no, say, there's no yeah, point going to that later. Yeah, no bother. See, I think I would have to go for one of the classical colours. I think I'd have to go for blue or green. And this is, again, if you asked me this question five, ten years ago, sort of when we were starting this show, mm-hmm. I'd have probably went blue, but now I edge towards green. Okay. Just get and it's maybe again the Qui Gon thing, mm-hmm. as well for me. But I'm like, yeah, I think I'd probably go green. That's me sticking to the obvious, yeah, usual choices. But if I could probably pick a random color, I'd probably go orange just for the <laughs> just, for, the, just for that. that. Yeah. What about yourself? Uh, well, it would have to be um, you know, blasters are so uncivilized. So why would you want one? <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean. It'd be good just to go like that and then just ignite your lightsaber. And after watching like Rebels and stuff, I'd love to have a black one. See, yeah, uh, that for me black, but it has to be kind of not glittery, but it kind of has to have some some sparkle there. <laughs> you know, like sparkle shine, or sparkle. Um, yeah, that is again another answer I'd probably give as like an alternate. A few years ago, because this kind of, again, plays into the next question we're going to be talking about. It was an option in a certain video game that you could just pick the colours of the rainbow Mm -hmm. for your lightsaber. And the black, I always thought, looked very cool because it was that solid black in the centre with like a white hue glowing on the outside. Mm -hmm. So it was really different and all. um, But no, I still think I'd probably end up with the classic and go for probably the green. Uh, do you own any Star Wars video games? I lo- I own loads of Star Wars video games. Okay. Uh, but I'm not going to reel every single one off. Uh, Force Unleashed 1 and 2 is quite obvious. 
probably one of the most disappointing ends to what was a potential series of games. Mm. Um, really heartbreaking stuff in the end. Um, with number two, especially considering you were just playing, and you're like, you just think, oh, this game's just getting going, and this end. Yeah. Done. It's like afternoon. Like five hours later from starting, done, yeah. finished, mm-hmm. over, off you go. Um, and that was again one of those early signs of video game companies chancing their arm and hoping to get away with things in the hope of getting more money down the line um the rogue squadron game games are an obvious one Mm -hmm. as well gamecube 64 all those ones um as you say the amount of times crashing into the legs of an (laughs) at-at walker um you haven't lived your life until you've done that especially in a 64 in the 64 one um, I have really fond memories of Rogue Squadron on GameCube as mm-hmm. well. I really, really loved that one because wasn't that a launch title at the time? I think, yes, as well. Yeah. Not in Luigi's um, Mansion Three or Luigi's Mansion, sorry. Because that was my granny got me my GameCube and my first two games for my birthday that year, and Rogue Squadron was one of the two games I got at the beginning of it, and so it's really right up there. But here's another one that isn't an obvious one. I know probably some of the ones you may mention. But there was one that was on the PC and Mac uh, probably a fair few years ago now, especially like it was at least released towards the start of the time I started working in game, and that was Empire at War. Okay. So it was, which is basically you can pick either you're on the Rebellion side or you're on the Empire side, obviously. Um, but you have to like build up your forces, build up your resources, create ships, build ships, and then conquer It's very much like a and stuff command like and that. conquer kind Probably of thing. A bit like yeah. that, yeah. Um, and the whole object of the game was to take over the galaxy and control all the different planets. So, you know, certain planets would have more strategic, yeah. you know, impact on things. Like if you took over um, what is... What is the calamari? Is it just the calamari homeworld? What is it? Can't remember. Terrible for forgetting that name. Um, but yeah, if you took over their planet, they were very much involved in creating the ships for the rebellions, so they take a hit for that oh, and stuff okay. like that. Um, but yeah, it's a really enjoyable one, and the great thing about playing in the Empire then is once you get enough resources, you can create Death Stars <laughs> and. All hell breaks loose. Um, Super Star Wars was one of the first ones I played on the Super Nintendo. Um, obviously, you had Star Wars and the Nintendo. I still do have Rogue Squadron, um, Clone Wars, I think for the GameCube, and there's another one, Bounty Hunter. Um, and then, obviously, the Force Unleashed games, as you described, um, Knights of the Old Republic and uh, Star Wars Battlefront which I won from uh, Darth Vader himself from Dave Prize for the Xbox and then Star Wars Battlefront 2 which I have on the PlayStation the only reason I got that was because it was on sale and it was whenever they were doing the update so it was after they'd announced that the Obi-Wan which is, who's now in the game and then all that kind of jazz General so, Grievous yeah exactly so um, with the likes of all that kind of stuff so what is your favourite Star Wars scene See, this is again kind of going back on, so I won't repeat too much ground here on battles almost. Okay. So again, 
the Battle of Hoth, I think, is just a lovely scene. You've got those visuals, this white crisp planet, and just these things on the horizon at the beginning. Mm -hmm. And you're just like, what the heck are those things? Um, And again, you kind of get that paralleled in Last Jedi again with the Battle of Crete. Um, But I think I will probably have to go with, um, again, just the entire Death Star run. Not from A New Hope, Mm -hmm. but as you said, they're going into the Death Star, taking out this, is it, was it the sensor array or something like that? Or was it, I can't remember exactly. Yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. But they take that out and then they make their way back out as the Death Star is slowly but surely exploding from within. And then, like you mentioned, the kind of the boom and the Falcon just making it out and the whole, you know, from Lando, I tried. <laughs> I can't I can't do that as enthusiastically as I'd wanted to because of the certain time we're recording at here, everybody, and I don't want to wake up everybody nearby. Um, but yeah, for me, just that whole sequence is, again, it almost feels like a video game mm-hmm. at the beginning, and you feel like you're going along for the ride because that was, again... You get one of the iconic moments with the Falcon in terms of the shield dish getting knocked off the top of it and all, which has become such a huge thing yeah. across the Star Wars movies. I think it's happened, what, four or five times <laughs> yep. at least. But yeah, for me, that's right up there. What about you? Uh, it would have to be Jabba's Palace. Um, whenever you see C-3PO and R2-D2 going actually into the palace, like whenever 3PO hits wee Frog's leg and he like grunts at him. And it was only... In the last maybe year or so, whenever I saw a picture, that I realised that Dengar is in Jabba's palace. Right, okay. I did not know that. You see him, obviously you had Boba Fett, you know, like in the the special editions, you know, you had him flirting with the girls and all that kind of stuff, but he's kind of over to the... But it's... Obviously, whenever I was growing up, one of the key things in my childhood was the Muppets. And to see this beautiful work of, like, all these creatures around and... I remember one of the figures I had was Re Yees or whatever, the guy with three eyes. Yes. Um, and I actually did it like that. Very good. Um, <laughs> so he was a figure that I remember buying and I just remember playing with. So I think, and then obviously Jabba, I remember that, you know, like he sat in the thing and you could put figures underneath him and that kind of thing. But it's just the whole spectacle of it all, you know, whenever Leia comes in as Bosch with um, then... Obviously, the Lando and the skiff guard bumping his head whenever we then see that and Solo, which I was like, oh, I actually marked out whenever I saw that. I was like, oh, <laughs> um, I thought that was just brilliant. But for me, it would definitely have to be that. Um, so which outfit do you wish you had in your closet? I think it would be Jedi robes. It's, it maybe seems a wee bit of an obvious answer. Maybe it isn't. I don't know. But yes, there are. I know there's tons of other things that you could pick from, but I don't think like any sort of like stormtrooper armor or anything like that's going to be overly comfortable. Darth Vader suit isn't going to be overly comfortable. Whereas I think you know the Jedi robes look like nice, comfy clothes sort of thing. Okay. You get, and you know you get a nice you know hooded jacket and all sort of thing as well as your normal robes. So yeah, probably that for me. Probably since Lando likes wearing it hand stuff. Hands closed. <laughs> yeah, because obviously he has like a wardrobe, you know, like very much yeah. like Doctor Who, you know, like in the TARDIS. Um, yeah, just I think that, um, you know, like obviously his stuff, like whenever you see him first in A New Hope, 
um, is pretty iconic. Yeah. Uh, now and obviously. <clears throat> In his later years, you know, like still having the jacket, yeah, you know, like and that kind of thing. I, I, I just, I like that aspect yeah. of it, you know. But it's, again, it's funny you picked that because that was one of the options floating around in my head. Mm-hmm. Was, uh, Han on Hoth, you know, the jacket, and yeah. eventually just his normal stuff that he's wearing on mm-hmm. Hoth as well. To me, that is again they threw back to it in Force Awakens, as you yeah. say. Um, he has some very stylish clothes. He does. Okay, so the next question uh, is the one I'm going to admit, but I'm going to change that to who would your favourite lesser, not lesser known, but favourite um, background character be? And obviously they can interact, but obviously you're going to be picking like Han, Luke, Leia, yeah, yeah. that kind of. So somebody who plays a role in it that you're like, oh, I, you know, like an Admiral Akbar, you know, like that. Okay, Some, yeah. Someone so like that. Not our. Top tier, obvious. Yes, exactly. Guys. Um, Borgolod? No. Okay. Uh, Borgolod. He knows the truth. (laughs) Um, See, I don't know whether to go for... Would Chirrut be too frontline? No. I think think Chirrut's a good character. I enjoyed the character, especially his, you know, his final moments. Yeah. You know, you know... the forces with me and all, and he makes that walk to get to the switch and all. I think for me, that's probably you know, for, considering, <coughs> bless you, um, considering if you look at the tiers of Star Wars characters, he probably would be on that sort of second tier or below. Yeah. But again, makes a crucial, critical moment happen in the journey to getting the Death Star plans. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if he doesn't do that then they don't get the plans you know it's part of the whole sequence in the run up to you know getting the plans on Scarif um, plus I think he just has a good few cool moments throughout the movie I think with him and Baze they were the they were more the standard characters from that movie than the main characters in the movie mm-hmm. you know because obviously it was centred around um, Jin and Jin's father and then Cassian as well, and it's more centered around them. So I can kind of get yeah. why you say that. Um, for me, mine's Bill Organa. Um, yeah, I've I al- completely I've, get it. I've always, since Jimmy Smith started playing that, and I love in episode three when I go like, you know, like, sir, you have to go, and and so it is. And then yeah, you that's know, like, that's really it. It's like just a, like it's yeah. a that's a punch yeah. in the stomach yeah, moment. So like, like, okay, and then seeing him then appear in Rogue One and be like, and then says about the plans, but like, oh, I've got somewhere that I go to be quite safe, and you're like, oh, he's talking about his daughter, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. like and that kind of thing, and then just in Episode Three, like whenever you see him saying that he will take the girl, and then he just emphasizes that you know, oh, she will be loved with us, mm-hmm. and you're thinking. He's a guy that you want on your side, you Absolutely. know, like, and it has the heart in the right place, but not a case of, I'll take the girl because, yeah. you know, Whatever. I, want I, don't to, want the, you know. I don't want the boy. Yeah. You know, there's logical thoughts gone into that, you know, his, whether, this is, I don't, I haven't dived too much into, I know there is, um, like, the Young Leia book that came out not too long ago that talks about her childhood, and that's where there was a connection built between her and what's her name, Laura Dern's character from The Last Jedi. Mm. Can't remember. Never Typical. Uh, Holdo. That's the one. Okay. Um, you know, there's a connection from them knowing each other in their youth. But I don't know how much is mentioned whether she had any actual 
siblings that were biological to Bale and her mm-hmm. his wife, or whether the reason she was took was because maybe they couldn't have kids or whatever it was. But I think the exciting thing for me is I think that's a fantastic pick, Bale Organa. And I think Jimmy Smith is fantastic as him. And so it is. <laughs> yeah. But I think it's also exciting in the fact that because we're getting this Cassian Andor series, the doors open again Yeah. for him to potentially come back mm-hmm. and play the character again. Okay, we're going to double barrel this one here. Ooh. What? Which character would you want as your sidekick? But which character would you want as your sidekick? And which one would you want as your droid? Ooh, well... This kind of helps me because I kind of had a somebody slash somebody. Okay. And one was a droid and one wasn't a droid, okay. so that helps very well. Uh, droid, I think it would be very hard not to say R2. Okay. Um, you know, the droid has been through a lot, but it has got, especially look out of many tricky situations, and Anakin really. Yeah, uh, I've always said that R2-D2 is the Swiss <clears throat> army knife of droids. Yeah, plus the whole, you know... Trilogy of Trilogies is meant to be from R2 and C-3PO's perspective. So he is meant to be a key part. I think that's maybe one of the most down moments of the sequel trilogy is how much of a backseat really R2 has had. Yes, he had the map and stuff, but Mm. he hasn't been as on the front line as he was in the prequels or the original trilogy. But when it comes to sidekicks, um, again, maybe an obvious answer, but Chewie. Okay. Because I think just... I don't know whether it's also helped having seen Solo recently as well, but getting to see maybe you know the earlier stages of the relationship and how it all came about as well kind of strengthens almost what you then see in the originals mm-hmm. again later on. And, uh, hey, as Rio says in Solo, it's always good to have a Wookiee around. I would probably... Ah, this is really hard because <clears throat> I'm on the fence with two. I'm going to go for Nine Numb. Okay, cool. Um, I've always enjoyed him and I, I love seeing him come back in Force Awakens. Plus he's someone who always laugh at your jokes. Exactly, yeah. So, and he's not dead uh, at the time of recording so that's even better. Um, but yeah, just seeing him come back and then, you know, like obviously seeing... Like I would have liked to see him maybe in Jedi. Akbar is a close second but then how can you have a sidekick who's an admiral you know yeah, so I get you I I'm get just you. trying to think of somebody who's in the falcon chair you know mm-hmm. and then with droids as much as I'd love to have C-3PO I know that he would be left somewhere but like just you just stay here and be a permanent <laughs> resident you know um, but I would probably go for BB-8 All right, okay. because as much as you say about R2 um I felt that whenever I watched a new set of movies, especially whenever I watched them with Dad, that it's a inanimate object that you feel so much compassion for. Mm-hmm. Like whenever he does like the wee thumbs up thing, yeah. you know, like to Finn. You See, know, like I'm, that. I'm so dirty minded that that moment I thought he was flipping him off. Right, okay. I remember well, that was a whole thing after the movie came out. People were like, was he giving the thumbs up or did you think he was giving the finger or whatever sort of thing? And it was all going on. I initially thought he was flipping off. Okay. So that's just me. But no, I completely get where you're coming from because BB-8, I think even more than R2, has more human characteristics. Mm-hmm. You know, yes, it still just beats and boops at the end of the day, but like you're saying, he has the ability to stick his hand out and yeah. like give the thumbs up 
and stuff like that. And I think, yes, R2 can rotate his head, but it's on one axis. Yeah. Whereas BB-8's head can move properly fully about Mm -hmm. the ball. So he can almost do, I think maybe the best way I can describe it is like, you know, if you're talking to a dog and you say a certain thing and the head tilts. Yeah. And the ears go up or whatever. Yeah, you know, he can do that and then make the little, you know, Mm -hmm. sort of noise. And all that comes together and just gives it maybe just slightly more of a dimension of a character. Yeah. But I, it's just, he's just somebody that I think sits well in the new movies, which we'll get on to. Well, no, because have you heard that thing whenever it pings? (laughs) Right. So, a couple of final questions. Who is your favourite villain? Favourite villain... That isn't Darth Vader. <clears throat> that isn't Darth Vader. Yeah. Because I think um, Darth Vader would be an yeah, obvious t- choice, no. to be honest. Um, Emperor. Okay. Um, and again, this is something that has changed over the years. Mm-hmm. You prob- If you'd probably asked me five or so years ago, it probably just would have been the obvious answer of Vader. Um, but again, if you go back and you look at the little nuances and parts of the performance that Ian McDermott did through the prequels and that obvious scene of at the kind of opera that with him and Anakin mm-hmm. you're just like you are the total and absolute epitome of evil yeah and you know there was brilliant thing going back to what I was saying about the whole fight with Mia Swindu there's a whole debate between you know did Mace Windu win that fight legitimately? Or did Palpatine manipulate it mm-hmm. so that he sensed Anakin coming in Yeah, and put himself in that position <clears throat> to force Anakin's hand? Yeah. And that is... The gears are always turning mm-hmm. in his head. He, he doesn't stop to think. There's very few moments in Star Wars... That the Emperor is taken aback or on the back foot. Yeah. One of those moments, I think, might be Attack of the Clones when Padme says she's going back to Naboo. And he kind of goes, oh, you know, there's just yeah. that slight. Are you, your Majesty. But then he's, boom, yeah. he's back on again and off he goes. Yeah. So for me, I think he has to be the best villain. I remember that in The Phantom Menace, whenever. Yoda and Mace Winter are talking and go like always two there are no more no less the master and apprentice and goes well what's destroyed a master or an apprentice and then it kind of pans around and you see the Senator, side shot you see Senator Palpatine standing there and I remember the guy I work with going yeah but who's who's the master and we're like it showed you that's the emperor uh-huh. and he legitimately had no clue that that was the emperor and I'm like it's this it's Senator Palpatine <laughs> Right, let me just tell you how obvious that was, right? Me as... What year was Phantom Menace? 1999. 1999. So I was 10. Okay. Actually, probably turning 10, because Star Wars was still May okay. back then. So I was turning 10 in the June of that year. I knew it was Palpatine from the second I saw the first hologram on the Dream <laughs> Federation ship. Because it's the chin and all, yeah. first of all, that gives it away. Mm-hmm. Plus... The voice isn't that different overall. Yes, he kind of drops an octave <clears> and makes it a wee bit more, gra- <coughs> yeah. a bit more gravelly and yeah. stuff like that. Um, but 
Really, you should know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to double up with Emperor, so I'm going to go with New. And I'm Ooh. going to go for one villain who I actually prefer over the dark side is um, Hux. Oh, right, okay. In Force Awakens, everyone was like, oh my God, Kylo Ren's amazing. And I was like, <laughs> really? It's like, Kylo Ren was good. Kylo Ren was like uh, Kane, whenever Kane had the mask on. <laughs> and Kane, he was very, very imposing. And he took the mask off and then humanised him. That is like... That is like in the original trilogy, if Darth Vader was to go while he's fighting, going, I'll just take my mask off and just leave it there. How are you? You know, like, are you having fun on the Death Star? You know, like, no, he didn't. You know, like, and for me, whenever he put the mask back on in Last Jedi, it kind of lost that appeal. Mm -hmm. But Hux, for me, has been somebody who you can see that he, especially in Last Jedi, is almost manipulating or trying to with um, Kylo. Yeah. And then trying to turn them against each other and stuff. But for me, um, just the performance of that is, especially whenever he's giving that speech and go like, and you know, like... Uh, oh, this... Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, bow against the first, wo- first world order. Well, first order. <laughs> new, new world yeah, order. Yeah, <laughs> for life. Um, but yeah, just for me, that is... He is one of my favourite villains. Yeah. Um, Rogue One didn't really have... Any, to yeah. be honest with you. Although, having said that, I did enjoy Tarkin. Uh, oh yeah. Uh, over, I thought the CG of that was brilliantly done. Um, yeah. Now, I can I completely one hundred percent agree with you in regards to Kylo. Um, when a mask comes off, you humanize someone. Mm-hmm. So you do. You see a human face, and you're like, well, yes, you may have the force and this and that and the other, but you're still just. Yeah. Human. You don't get the human side of Vader until the end. Yes. Yeah. So you don't. Until he's. There's nothing left for him. Yeah. I take this mask off, son, so I can see you with my own eyes. Exactly. And then he plays harmonica. You you get that tease in Empire. Yeah. Where you just see the back of the head. Mm -hmm. Just enough to make you. You know, what's this? Yeah. But he's so scarred and obviously disfigured mm-hmm. that you don't make that human connection. Yeah. He's still this more machine than man mm-hmm. sort of thing. So when it comes to you picking then Hux over Kylo, I completely get that. Some people I think felt maybe um, Hux was too up there in Force Awakens. But for me, I think that me and Senior talking about with, mm-hmm. with him giving the whole speech to uh, all the first <coughs> forces on um, the uh, on Starkiller base the whole point of the First Order is they're meant to be almost the Nazis of the Nazis mm-hmm. in that regard you know the Empire is the evil guys these are the evilest of the evil yeah sort of thing so that speech was very iconic and shot very much like a Hitler speech. Yeah. He's up there on this stage way above yep. everybody else. Saying, effectively, he's saying, I'm way above you yeah. in terms of height and in terms of stature. Yeah. And you're all down there. But his speech, you would almost not need a microphone because mm-hmm. he is so <clears> into it. But then it's also, again, his character, when you go through the layers of it, you can see that as completely him as a character overcompensating mm-hmm. because 
it's kind of hinted in the last Jedi, you know, by was it Captain Kennedy? You know the guy who was in charge of like the big mega star destroyer that yes, shows yeah. up to take out you know the car in the last Jedi. You know he's just like oh, you know I'm dealing with idiots basically, mm-hmm. and the other fellow that was with him in the last Jedi Hux. You know, I believe he's tooling with you, sir. You know, oh, Hux yeah. is so in the moment of I am mm-hmm. the guy. Yeah. That he doesn't see these guys who are maybe the old guard mm-hmm. from the Empire going privileged. He's only here because of his dad. And he's always constantly fighting that. Yeah. Well, we're I, going went, to, I went deep dive. We're going to round it off with his last question, which is going to be, we've obviously talked about the, the prequels and we've talked about the... Um, original trilogy obviously so what are your thoughts on the new movies see this is a bit of a mixed bag for me um, Force Awakens I love I love The Force Awakens um, people say it's just retreading ground and being very like a new hope and all and yeah I can get that you know it's this individual that comes from nothing out of nowhere on a desert planet and yada 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 mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> But it was what was needed, really, at the start. You know, it felt like Star Wars. Yeah. You know, it had that complete feeling. Uh, Rogue One, believe it or not, I like it less over time. So I do. It's funny because I'm on both of these, I'm exactly the same. Force Awakens, I... It, it's up there it's like maybe my third favourite mm-hmm. um, and it's just one that I love watching over time whereas Rogue One the more I've watched it the less not that I don't appreciate it don't, don't get me wrong yeah. but it's one that whenever I watch it's like I'm waiting for you know like um, I'm waiting for the, the battle you know like I'm waiting for them to try yeah. and get the Death Star plans that's it that's what I'm waiting for very much like in Phantom Menace I'm waiting for Obi-Wan, Qui-Gon and Darth Maul. So I totally understand where you're coming from in that aspect. It's really weird because there's plenty in Rogue One I enjoy. I enjoy Ben Mendelsohn's performance as Krennic. I enjoyed the Tarkin moments. I enjoyed the battle on Scarf. I enjoyed the Vader Hall scene. That whole ending with Vader is fantastic. But there are so many parts now when I've went back and Let's watched hope Rogue you don't One. choke in your aspirations. <laughs> not really? Even, not even that. I know, but... But there's just moments where I'm like, right, let's get going. Come on. Mm-hmm. Let's go. Yeah. Let's go, folks. You know, let's get this story going here. Um, so, yeah, over time, Rogue One has slipped down and is probably at this moment in time out of the Disney movies. Mm-hmm. My least favourite. Okay. So it is. Well, it's not that for me. Um... Oh, well, I can kind of guess that. Last Jedi, right. There are plenty of bits of Last Jedi that I really enjoy. I could almost go to love. Like that, like we were saying, like the Battle of Crete moment where the Falcon shows up and the classic Williams scores Mm -hmm. sneak into the tune and that sort of stuff. And the throne scene, throne room scene with Rey and Kylo together... You know, Snoke getting killed off. Fantastic action sequences and enjoyable moments. But the key thing for me now is because I have the Blu-ray of that movie, there is always a half an hour, 20 minutes of that movie that I just go, skip. And that is the Finn stuff. 
Okay, so that's all the stuff to do with the casino and... Yeah. Yeah, okay. I just can't stand it. I think for me, whenever Leia does the Force thing and pulls herself back into the ship, mm-hmm. I remember sitting there in the cinema going... Legitimately thinking to myself, what is this? <laughs> and then once... It's almost like from there to almost the end of that part you've talked about is whenever I tune out. It's not one that I can put in my DVD. Like, don't get me wrong, I've watched the special features on it and the documentary Superb. on that is fantastic. Very much like Force Awakens is probably one of my favourite documentaries of all time. It's just outstanding. Especially like Harrison Ford saying about, you know, the flip switches and the Falcon. We were like, no springs. Didn't have budget for springs. Mm-hmm. So we got the budget, boss. Don't be worried. Yeah. But, yeah, but with, with Last Jedi, it's... There's so much that you want to be right with it, but there's so much wrong with it. Yeah. And it's... The fact is, there's like... There's Admiral Akbar killed off, and Admiral Akbar even died. And you're like, wait, wait, what? What, <laughs> what happened? It's just like, this is a beloved character, and you just went here. And, you know, like it's not to say that Ryan Johnson didn't know his stuff, but if Disney are still planning a trilogy with this fella, I'm a bit concerned after this here I'm going like normally I'll go to see Star Wars numerous times in the movies mm-hmm. whereas this I want to see twice yeah and my biggest regret is not going to see Solo in the cinema because stupid Chris didn't listen to what people say oh, yeah it's good Chris listened to the critics yeah. going like oh my god it's yeah. dreadful and I think maybe I think maybe if that came out after um, Rogue after Rogue One and mm-hmm. Last Jedi didn't I would have gone to see it but I think it was maybe because of just coming out of Last mm-hmm. Jedi and being so underwhelmed. Maybe it was the fact that this was the first Star Wars movie I'd seen without Dad, mm-hmm. which also may have played that factor. Yeah. But I think with that, it was just um, something that maybe I just went, right, you know what? I kind of need a break from it yeah. because I didn't want my love for a franchise that has spanned my entire life yeah. to then go and not go because of one film yeah but I need to kind of find it again you need to cleanse the palate yeah, I do Absolutely. I'm going to ask you a question about that I mean over rounding up here shouldn't take up very long to answer here we're sitting here right it's December 2018 mm-hmm. the whole debate obviously around Solo because we haven't mentioned Solo in this list yet so we'll be talking about it obviously in a wee second um, won't talk too much because I think there's probably a good chance we could do an entire episode on it. I think we could probably do an entire episode based on new ones because we haven't yeah, covered them. Yeah, maybe do that in the lead up to nine or something when it comes out next year. But do you think that yes, even though you were underwhelmed with Last Jedi, mm-hmm. obviously a key component everybody says about Solo is yes. The split opinions on Last Jedi, but also it's, you know, fairly close release thereafter, Last mm-hmm. Jedi. Do you think you'd be have been sitting here, and I know this is easy to say in hindsight, do you think you'd have been more inclined to go see Solo if it was coming out next week instead of May of this year? Do you think, because you'd have had the guts of a year past that you'd have been more inclined, you know what, I'll go and see it in the cinema. I don't. A I honestly don't think so, because if it had been before Last Jedi, yes. But because after Last Jedi, and because for me there was so much... Ru- 
it didn't feel like Star Wars to me. Solo felt like, like we talked about Doctor Who. Doctor Who is meant to be fun. Solo was a fun film, whereas The Last Jedi was not a fun film. Okay. And I don't mean that in, the, in any disrespect to Ryan Johnson and, you know, like Mark Hamill and stuff, but one of the big, big moments for me that I was like, was whenever Ray gave Luke the sabre and he threw it over his shoulder. That was for me was a very comedic effect and it's like why you know mm. we never got to see Luke Leia and Han together which obviously falls in JJ's door but I can kind of understand that because Luke was separate mm-hmm. um, but for me just whenever that happened it was like right well this is almost like you effectively you as a director throwing everything that came behind you and you're just throwing it away that yeah. to me was effectively what that was yeah, I completely get what you're saying about Last Jedi. There was there were moments in Last Jedi, like you mentioned, with like Leia in space. Mm-hmm. Like, don't get me wrong. In my head, I'm like, yes, Leia obviously would have force powers. She'd be strong with the force. She's a Skywalker, etc. But even me, who would be on the more enjoyed Last Jedi side of things, even with that huge chunk that I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah. When I was sitting there at whatever it was after midnight and that Leia moment happened you did just get pulled ever so slightly out but you kind of looking around at everyone going it's almost like am I uh-huh. seeing what I think I'm seeing I remember the difference completely get what you're saying the feelings I had watching Force Awakens in comparison to Last Jedi were very very different I remember going to see Force Awakens and just pretty much for the whole movie, I was just like, <gasps> yeah, know, wide smile the whole but, time. But then that was something that once you'd watched that, you wanted to go, you could have walked out of there and gone, I'm going to go see it again. Because like you said, you were that taken into it. You get taken in by them. Like whenever Kylo and Finn are fighting and Kylo goes to get the saber and the saber whizzes past him and Ray hands gets at a saber yeah. and that force music I teared up mm-hmm. and every time I hear that music because it's so beautifully same with the Jedi steps yeah. and then whenever he and that just kills me mm-hmm. every time but with that sim, you know with that there I was just like wow and then you were just getting invested in everything and you're going like you know like and everyone's going like he's a great character and like oh Poe Dameron's mine and then you see then what happens with Poe in the next one I was like he's like what is it so he he's basically a guy who works with her and now he's kind of doing his own kind of thing and it just it seemed to me if JJ had stayed on and JJ had done all three all three I think it would have been a far far different movie mm-hmm. and I'm really intrigued because I, like you I love Force Awakens For, Force Awakens is one that after doing this like see tomorrow night I'll probably put on Force Awakens <laughs> yeah. and probably watch that because um, I'll put on Last Jedi because I'll probably end up watching one like five minutes over and go like I don't know um but it's one of those ones that with it's enjoyable from start to finish and I just look forward to seeing how he deals with stuff like the you know like with you know like with Luke not being around anymore now now we don't have you know like we have Leia as part of it and then I think it was wise that he's bring Billy D back into it because I fear that Ryan Johnson probably would have killed him. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the God's honest truth is yeah. because 
you know, with the likes of Akbar, I know he's a side character and all, but he's one that's, you know, you say, it's a trap. As soon as you say that, you go, it's a trap. That's how you say it. Yeah. You know, you don't say, if somebody says it's a trap, you go, all right, Akbar, calm down. Yeah, yeah. But it's, it's one of those ones that, um, like I say, if Solo had come out before that, I would have went to see it. But okay. I think because that kind of, it's like what you talked about with wrestling. You watch a Raw, you watch a pay-per-view, and there's a star taste in your mouth. It takes you a while to get that way. Yeah. Now, don't get me wrong, I will go and see episode nine in the cinema because I like JJ's work, and I like what he does as part of the Star Wars universe. Oh, yeah. You and feel that he will yeah. give the, it a mm-hmm. you know, suitable ending. Yes, yeah. Um, right, enough of the Last Jedi debate. Uh, let's round out with just a quick bit on solo then so with contrasting perspectives here i still being the corporate sheep i am (laughs) went saw solo in the cinema and really really enjoyed myself Mm -hmm. whereas you held off of course and then saw it later at home Mm -hmm. and in the end really enjoyed it oh yeah i did i did I think it is so sad, in a way, that this movie has ended up the way it is. Oh, totally. totally. <clears throat> but I think it's because of what's happened before. Oh, yeah. I think because there were so polarising um, views on The Last Jedi mm-hmm. that people <clears throat> like myself were about, you know what, I'm just going to leave it for a bit. But I think, like you said, I think if this was to come out this, this time, uh, like this time of year, December which is what we're getting used to, I think it would have done a lot better because yeah. people would have been off work, people would have taken their kids to it as a Christmas treat, something like that. And that's the thing is that people are now getting in the tradition of like we had Star Wars every May, you know, like every three years. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think now if they do a new trilogy, that's what it should be. Yeah. But I think with Solo, I think with Solo, I think because it's kind of people wanted stuff before that. I think if it was an Obi-Wan movie, it would have done big bucks. Yeah. And I'm not disparaging the performances of anyone in the movie because, like we've talked about, you know, like they all did their job well. Donald Glover as Lando. I would have bought that as Lando. Yeah. You know, like, but as time goes on and the more you watch that, you, you know, like you can accept him as a young Han Solo. Yeah. But then... It may have been the same way with people with the original trilogy whenever we got the prequels and they go mm-hmm. like, he's playing, he's playing Obi-Wan Kenobi. That's why, all goodness. Why is he playing Obi-Wan Kenobi? Yeah. You know, so that's something that... But yeah, I completely agree. When I went in, like, I said it in the build-up to Han Solo, I was like, we don't need this movie, we know yeah. the story, um, I'm not going to be able to see Han Solo here, blah, 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 blah. And I went in, and it simply was just this sort of fun, you know, action movie, smaller story Mm -hmm. in the really whole picture of Star Wars, a smaller story. Yes, they still had to tie it into the Rebellion somehow at the end, but why? But you can, after watching it, actually go, you know what, that's Han Solo. And that's, I think, the one disappointment I have out of the whole thing is that, you know what, if they'd have turned around, if that, after seeing that movie and said, you know what, 
you're going to get two more, you're going to get a Han Solo trilogy. I'd be like, you know what? Okay, cool. Yeah. I'm happy enough with that. I will. I am happy to go along with Alden Ehrenreich as Han Solo, Chewbacca, Lando, whatever, mm-hmm. and go on that story with them. Unlikely to get that now, yeah, because of all the way the dominoes and all have fallen. I just hope maybe there's the potential down the line that the character could end up again on this Disney streaming channel. Or oh, I hope so. That happens. Um, but yes, that's my opinions on it. We'll leave a lot more solo chat for another day. Yes, I think so. Because I think that is something we could properly talk in depth about. And we've been going on for nearly an hour and a half now. Wow. Well, I'm going to let you round up because I really, really need to go to the toilet. Okay, dokie. Just uh, and goodbye, everyone. Th- thank you. Thank you for letting everybody know I that, Chris. So, yeah. uh, but yes, everybody, thank you all very much for listening to the show. If you would like to get in touch with us, feel free to uh, send us a message on. Twitter, our DMs are open on there at RetroShockPod or just a regular old tweet works great as well. If you want to get in either touch with Chris or I directly, I'm at Alan GW Price, he's at Vinto316. You know, send us your thoughts. What did you think of this show? What would you like to see on future shows? You know, particular movie series, TV show, comics, games, whatever you name it. Let us know and we'll see about getting it on the show down the line. You can also message us on Facebook. Just search Operation Retroshock on Facebook. And if you've enjoyed the show, feel free to leave us a review on iTunes, on Stitcher, on TuneIn, all those lovely places. But yes, that's going to do it for this episode as I round out on my own. I would say I've been Alan Price and he's been Chris Vind, but he's not in the room. So yes, I have been Alan Price. Thank you all very much for listening, everybody. This has been episode 134 of Operation Retroshock. See you next week. Thank you.